with the physical body. And he alone can clothe us spiritually. The title for this sermon is Clothe Me. And those were words that God just kind of typed into my head one morning. I had just awakened, you know, that first few seconds when you wake up and you start to realize you're awake. And all of a sudden, clothe me. Okay. And before I could do anything else, uh, scriptures and ideas for this sermon started to flow and I had to get up and start writing. So that's what I did. Uh, the Hebrew and the Greek translations for the word clothe, the verb, mean mostly what they mean in English. To put on, to wrap around, to envelop, and to cover with. God gave the first clothes to Adam and Eve as a sign of their sinfulness. And ever since, the world has been aggressive in its efforts to undermine, compromise, and destroy modesty. Modesty is the opposite of rebellion against God's holiness and moral authority. Modesty is submission to God, which is why it brings peacefulness in social situations, whereas immodesty brings distraction and confusion and invites abuse. Modern fashion goes even further than that, seeking the most unnatural, uncomfortable, and unhealthy ways to decorate our bodies in the name of self-expression and identity, and calls it art. Yeah. Nakedness is the contrasting idea. It also has great meaning. Nakedness is treated with great reverence and seriousness in the Bible. Noah's nakedness was exposed in Genesis 9 when he became drunk, and two of his sons covered him with great reverence. The son who looked at his father's nakedness and told the others about it was cursed. God uses this term many times in his admonishments, exhortations, and curses on people groups. Prophecies in Isaiah, Jeremiah, and elsewhere promise that God will expose a people's nakedness and they will not be able to hide it. Shame, vulnerability, and defilement are associated with this. God brings these things upon people as punishment after intense and extended and intentional sin has been affirmed. The world revels in its naked shame. God wants to clothe us and take our shame away. This will be interesting. In the Bible, clothing is used, or mentioned, I should say, positively, many times. I'm going to read a few of them. You remember in Genesis, Joseph received whoops, a coat of many colors from his father Jacob. It was a sign of love. This is in Genesis 37. And when Joseph was brought before Pharaoh years later, one of the first things he had to do was to change his clothes because, of course, he'd been in prison for several years. You can imagine how lovely he smelled. For 40 years, the Israelites wandered in the desert, and their clothes didn't wear out, nor did their shoes, for God provided for them, even during this great period of punishment. Even in judgment, God's mercy is made known. And that's found in Deuteronomy, chapter 29, and Nehemiah, chapter 9. In Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, there are 
lengthy descriptions of what the priests were required to wear, even going so far as to require special undergarments if you were going to step on the altar. Particular fabrics for turban, ephod, and other garments. In the book of Ruth, there's a situation in which Ruth has to get dressed up, put on special clothes, and uncovers Boaz's feet in order to signify a request for help. In 1 Samuel 18, Jonathan, the crown prince, gives his armor and robe to David as a sign of committed friendship. Elijah leaves behind a piece of his clothing. Do you remember what it was? Yeah, his mantle or his cloak. When he's taken up to heaven in the fiery horses, chariots, and whirlwind. That cloak became Elisha's, which he then used to part the waters of the river in 2 Kings 2. Naaman, the Syrian general, had to take off his clothes to bathe in the filthy river and was healed of leprosy when he did it at Elisha's word. He offered Elisha payment, which Elisha refused, and then Elisha's servant Gehazi chased Naaman down to get some of that payment, which included fine clothes, and for which Gehazi suffered leprosy as a permanent punishment for his greed, 2 Kings chapter 5. Esther dressed up to put her life on the line for her people and face the king. Nehemiah and his fighting workers did not take their clothes off day or night as they built the wall. Holding weapons in one hand and tools in the other. That's Nehemiah chapter 4. John the Baptist was identified by his outfit and diet. I couldn't find any camel's hair, sorry. Later, Jesus spoke about John to the crowds using a contrast between John's clothes and the clothes of a rich man. Matthew 17, Mark 9, and Luke 9 describe Jesus' transfiguration, which included his clothes. Dazzling bright white, shining as the sun, is the description given. The woman with the issue of blood had only to touch Jesus' garment, and she was healed in Mark 5. In Luke 19 and the other Gospels, people put their clothes on a donkey and on the road and spread palm branches for Jesus to ride on. At the Last Supper, Jesus laid aside his own clothes to wash his disciples' feet. And in Ezekiel, Daniel, the Gospels, and Revelation, descriptions of the clothing of angels and the living creatures around the throne and Christ himself include dazzling white, shining bronze, lightning, and fire itself. Wow. Those are some positive examples of clothing mentioned in Scripture. There are, of course, plenty of negative ones as well. Garments are torn to symbolize great distress, sorrow, grief, or offense. Torn garments are worn to communicate this message to others. Sackcloth, often with ashes on the head, was worn to show fasting or petitioning of God, while some great set of circumstances awaited resolution. Oh, there's a note. That's good. Jacob and his mother, Rebekah, fooled the nearly blind Isaac with some of Esau's clothes. In 1 Samuel 15, Saul tore Samuel's robe in a vain attempt 
to prevent the prophet from leaving his presence. And Samuel immediately used that to reinforce the message that he had just given, that God was taking the kingdom away from Saul and giving it to his neighbor. The prophet Ahijah, in similar fashion, tore his clothing to symbolize the splitting of the kingdom after Solomon. In Jeremiah 4, crimson clothes are the apparel of apostate Israel being compared to an unfaithful woman. Jesus used a parable about a wedding feast and wearing proper garments for such an occasion and specifically pointed out that someone in the improper clothes would be thrown out and suffer. Jesus was was clothed mockingly in a royal robe after his flogging and then was given his own clothes to wear to his execution in Matthew 27 and Mark 15. Again in Matthew 27, in accordance with prophecy from Psalm 22, Jesus' clothing was divided among the soldiers who executed him. In Acts 7, the cloaks of the men stoning Stephen were watched over by Saul, who approved of their actions by assisting. In the second chapter of James, he reminds us not to show preference to those in fine clothing. Church women in 1 Timothy 2 are admonished not to seek after expensive clothes or other outlandish or gaudy things in their appearance, but are exhorted to be clothed with good works, as with modest apparel. In Revelation 3, Christ tells the church in Laodicea to put on white clothing to cover its nakedness and shame. Those are all the literal references. I say all, a lot. There's also some figurative references, sometimes to indicate an emotional state or to indicate the complete enveloping of one thing by something else, as in these examples. Psalm 132.16, I will clothe her priests with salvation, and her saints shall shout aloud for joy. The same Psalm, verse 18, his enemies I will clothe clothe with shame, but upon himself, capital H, his crown shall flourish. Proverbs 23, 21, drowsiness will clothe a man in rags. Ezekiel 26 describes the princes of the world clothing themselves with trembling when they view the destruction of God upon Tyre. In Zechariah 3, dirty clothes symbolize iniquity and clean clothes symbolize holiness. In Matthew 6, if God so clothes the grass of the field, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? 1 Corinthians 15, 54 and 55, death is clothed or swallowed up in immortality. Galatians 3 says that we have already put on Christ at baptism. And Romans 13 tells us again to put on Christ as putting on clothing. Again in Romans 13, we are told to cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. In Revelation, several times, saints are mentioned as being clothed in white. And the bride of Christ is described as being clothed in white linen to represent the righteous acts of the saints also in Revelation. It's a lot of references to clothing. I didn't realize there were that many in Scripture. Boy, this feels good. I was getting chilly up here. These socks were a gift from my sister. And the reason I mention this is because I don't have a good list in my head of the people I need to be thankful for, for things that they've done for me. 
But when I come across the thing, I remember. I remember, oh, this was a gift from that one guy that I worked with who just gave me his coat for no reason. Oh, this is that pair of socks for my sister. Oh, this is the hat for my dad. Oh, this is the tie for my wife. I remember things. Clothes can be an expression of feelings and attitude, self-image, status, wealth, response to weather, or lack thereof. How many moms can think of how many times they've had to tell their sons, put on a coat, or something similar? I was one of those sons, just so you know. Uh, It can be uh, as a membership of an organization, a uniform. It can express opinions about any and all subjects. Of participation in an important ceremony. Of a particular accomplishment or just personal taste. Clothes are also for protection, for identification, and for interaction. Clothes communicate ideas and feelings, actions and skills and history. Clothes can get you in or keep you out, draw you close or push you away, make you laugh or want to swear, and can easily occupy your attention such that you do not notice the person wearing them. Clothes can distract, deceive, and disappoint. Clothes can confuse and surprise and evoke strong emotional responses. They can feel nice or uncomfortable. They can irritate or soothe. They can catch or slide past. They can fit well or poorly, last long or fall apart, be purchased new or get handed down. Unless they're clothes for boys, those just get destroyed. (laughs) Clothes can be patched, sewn, re-stitched, or cut apart and made into new clothes and other things. (laughs) Those darn clothes. Thank you. Thank you so much. But when those clothes are on us, They mean something to us. They become a part of us, and we make an effort to care for them so we can continue to wear them. We communicate by wearing them and by how we wear them and by what we do in them. We even communicate by what we don't wear and when we don't wear it and why we don't wear certain clothes. Show of hands, how many of you have ever watched Mr. Rogers or saw the Tom Hanks movie about him? Yeah, that ran through my mind several times when I was anticipating this. The taking off of the coat and the sweater and changing shoes. So all of this about clothes, what does it say about the God who made the first clothes? God made clothing as a reminder of our sin and his grace, but also to give us an analogy by which we may begin to understand the transformation he intends to enact upon us by our putting on of Christ. Ever heard fake it till you make it? The idea is that we pretend that we feel something that we don't feel at all acting as if we did, and eventually we begin to feel it because we have acted it long enough. God understands our humanness. He never calls us to conjure up feelings to be obedient or to wait for the right feelings before acting. 
He tells us to act first and to heck with how we feel at the moment. Knowing we will begin to enjoy some good feelings as we obey. As we pretend we like doing the right thing. As we put on Christ. We begin to grow into the Christ outfit as we continue to be obedient. We become like him by doing what he did, by practicing Christ. Our Christ outfit grows into us as we grow into him. God draws a distinction between our outward appearance, which includes our clothing, and our inward thoughts and motives in 1 Samuel 16. We humans get hung up on the outward appearance, our own and that of others. God sees our hearts, the part we hide from everyone and sometimes even from ourselves. Clothes must also be changed from time to time. If you've ever had a newborn, that has a whole different meaning for you. Golly, I remember those days. So glad Olivia is six. Man. Because it's no laughing matter. You go through hundreds of diapers a week, right? I mean, it's, it's the kind of thing that it's hard to explain to anybody who hasn't been through it before. But trying to keep up with clothing for children, they grow so fast. And then they wear stuff out. And then they lose stuff. You ever found socks in the yard? telling you, man, we have a lot to do with clothes in our home, apparently. I keep finding all these things to mention about clothes. Whoop. So eventually, eventually clothes have to be changed for several reasons. Sometimes it's the weather, sometimes they wear out. Sometimes they just become seasonally ineffective. And, of course, if you leave them on too long, they become unbearably smelly. Sometimes they're just too large or too small to fit well. Putting off the wrong clothes and putting on the right clothes is an important adult skill. This, too, points to God's plan to clothe us in a new body when our old one finally wears out. God made this process for our training. He intends for us to put off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light, according to Romans 13, 12. He commands us two verses later to put on Christ, to stand before him as though we were playing the role of Christ in his presence. Sounds like an outrageously arrogant act of a three-year-old. But God commands this. And we aren't any more mature than a three-year-old to him. It's like God wants to play pretend with us. He wants to pretend with us that we are the righteousness of God in Christ because of the Christness we wear by his permission. And not because we have any righteousness of our own, which was mentioned earlier. This is, he does this to help train us to think like Christ. Christ wasn't concerned with himself. We have the mind of Christ, don't we? 
So let's do the works of Christ as he himself predicts and expects. Let's be his hands and his feet. Let's be the body of Christ with him as the head, putting on the outfit of our Savior. You see, by changing clothes, we change our mindset. It's well known that dressing up for work increases professional behavior and thinking. I've seen it happen to me. I've seen it happen to my students. You have a day where everybody's supposed to wear ties and dresses, and by golly, people start remembering homework and stuff. It's incredible. How does that work? What about the wire? It's under the tie. See, this is why I need help with this stuff, and not just to pick out the tie. Thank you to my lovely wife, who helped me pick out the tie, actually. Costumes affect psychology. When we wear clothes that we think are embarrassing, our focus is all on ourselves. We get embarrassed. We get so caught up in the imagined responses of other people. We can't function in a meaningful way or be helpful to anyone else if we are thus distracted by shame and the authority of the opinions of others. But when we wear clothes we know are sharp, that fit well, that are comfortable, we walk with confidence. We don't walk in arrogance. We don't walk in shame, nor in fearful anticipation. We walk with a kind of authority. We don't hardly stop to think of the opinions of other people. We like what we wear. We have a job to do. We focus on that, and the outfit's part of the job. So, of course, we'd be wearing it. It provides proper identification, proper protection, proper fit. The proper uniform or clothing is expected for every job. And sometimes we end up even looking forward to seeing our coworkers in their uniforms or outfits as we work together. It's the same with the body of Christ. When we join, we change our clothes. We change our mindset too. We see our coworkers in their uniforms. We become more and more like this person that we have put on. We gradually get more comfortable in it. We take care of our new clothing, Christ himself, and we learn never to take him off. But there's more. This clothing is a person, and he doesn't just affect our outside. He affects our inside, too. Where'd you go? There we are. Emma, this is for you. When we put on Christ, he repels all the shreds and threads of anything else we ever wore. 
anyone else we ever were. Sometimes it's hard to remember what you were like when you were single after you've been married for 50 years. Because so much of you has grown into that marriage instead. Sometimes as an adult, it's hard to remember a lot about being a child because you've grown into being an adult for so long. It's that way with Christ. The more you walk with him and wear him, the less you remember who you were before. It's not that you're less than you were, but the more of you that there is in Christ is different than the less of you that you used to be. Now this process is slow. Takes a lifetime and then some. But it's also inevitable. You wear Christ, you become just like him. You take him off, you become less like him. Guaranteed. It's what matters what you wear. As a Christian, it doesn't just matter what we put on our bodies. It matters what we put in our minds and spirits. Just as a sports uniform identifies targets of opposition or cooperation, so putting on Christ will signify to the spiritual world what side we're on. Can a fig tree produce thorns? Can a briar produce figs? Jesus said you would know them by their fruits. So it becomes completely true spiritually, even as the common phrase is proved false physically. The clothes do make the man when the clothes are Christ himself. He intends to make his home in us until this suit dies and gets tossed on the burn pile. Then he will say to us, it's time, time to put it on. And our Savior will clothe us in the last suit we will ever wear. You know what the difference is between us now and then? He'll make us look so good. 